0: Welcome to The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at and don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today, Billy Fisher, who is the manager of freshman recruitment in the office of undergraduate admissions at beautiful Auburn University in Sweet Home, Alabama. Billy, thank you so much for being here today. We're looking forward to a great conversation. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, thanks for having me, John. I'm excited to do this today.
0: It is our pleasure and honor. So Billy, let me just ask you to give us a brief introduction about yourself. How long have you been in admissions and how did you end up in such a position?
1: Sure. Well, so I originally grew up in Peachtree City, Georgia. All I knew about Auburn was the sports that I saw on TV and (laughs) I fell in love with it when I came on a campus tour. Um, I majored in supply chain management, and I did a couple internships. Just wasn't enjoying the business world, and essentially, I fell into this because I was one of the student tour guides in our office. So I ended up applying for an admissions advisor job, uh, and since then, I've been with the Office of Undergraduate Admissions since 2016. So about about seven years coming up in March, um, it's been a it's been a good fit.
0: Well, that's terrific. They are certainly lucky to have you, as are we. So Billy, let me ask you, how does Auburn University distinguish itself from other universities and what are the unique characteristics of the university that make it stand out and make it be so special?
1: Well, you you may hear people talk about the Auburn family and it honestly sounds cheesy. It sounded cheesy to me until I came to campus and I experienced it and you experience it on campus, off campus. But it is a genuine thing. Uh, There's something about Auburn where the people who go to school here, the people who work here, they're not just here for an education or a job, they're here for that, but also because they love Auburn. And I think there's a lot that's good about it, but just a couple of rankings that we're really proud of. Uh, We've consistently been ranked as one of the top public universities in the top 50 by U.S. News and World Report, uh, and also the top school in the state of Alabama. And then Princeton Review has consistently ranked us in the top 20 on their list of the colleges with the happiest students, Uh, and also the college is the best quality of life. And back in 2019 and 2020 school year, we were actually number one on that list with the happiest students. Um, So certainly it's kind of a good vibe between the academic side of things and then also the quality of life for our students here. Uh, And then one last thing, I think that one of the elements that I'm just most proud about is there's a survey that goes out to college graduates amongst college graduates all around the country from a variety of schools. Uh, and it, it goes out five years after they graduate. And one of the questions on that survey is if you had it to do all over again, would you choose the same school? And when you look at national averages, usually you're doing pretty well if about 80% of your graduates say that they would do it all over again. Uh, I believe the Ivy League schools tend to be kind of in the 90%, low 90% ranges. And here at auburn currently 93 percent of our graduates say they would do it again Uh, and that's been as high as 96 percent. so i think it's reflective of not only the college experience but also the value of that auburn degree
0: well that's terrific thank you so much for sharing the information regarding the rankings and also the fact that you survey the students five years out the national average in terms of whether they would do it all over again you said is at about 80%, but at Auburn, it's 93%. You also mentioned, by the way, that the Auburn family is alive and well. And by the way, Billy, there's nothing cheesy about it because let me share another statistic with you. Nationally, it's 69% of the students that return for a second year. Auburn University, I'm happy to say that I just read a statistic that you guys are at 92% in terms of your retention rate. So Billy, what's the secret? What is it about Auburn University that makes the students so happy on campus?
1: Well, we tend to hover around that 90 percent range and we really try to strive to be there to make sure we're retaining our students. And I think that it's a combination of the people here. I think with over 150 different majors, if you come in and you don't like your first major, you can try a second or maybe even a third time to get that fit for you. Uh, the Auburn will do everything possible to support you, both inside and outside the classroom, and I think our students do an excellent job of taking advantage of those resources that are available. And then I also think that we are a large school. Uh, We've got a fun atmosphere with the SEC sports, but while we're a large school, we also have a pretty small campus. It's very compact. Um, So even though we've got 25,000 undergraduate students, there's still a family feel to it where you'll pretty commonly be walking throughout campus and see some of your classmates and some of your friends very easily. You're not necessarily a a small fish in a big pond like some people may think that you would be at a school this size.
0: Well, we appreciate that explanation, how it's a fun atmosphere. And of course, it's the people at Auburn that make it such. So I know that there's a lot of students out there that want to attend Auburn. So let's get a little bit into the application process, Billy, if you don't mind. Can you tell us, about the admissions process at Auburn University, and how does the university evaluate prospective students, and what are the requirements for admission?
1: Sure. So when students apply, especially as a high school student who would be applying as an incoming freshman, there's basically four primary components. Uh, You have the admissions application itself, and they can submit that through our website or through the common application. Uh, you have the high school transcript reflecting their completion of grades 9 through 11, and students can actually upload that into their portals themselves. Uh, they have You have the official ACT or SAT score sent to us electronically directly from the testing agency. And then there's also a $50 application fee. We do accept fee waivers, though. So if a student has like an ACT or an SAT fee waiver, a NACAC fee waiver, if they are on free or reduced lunch, different financial hardships, we can get that application fee waived. Uh, For this year's senior class, we also had a test optional policy where students with a 3.6 or higher weighted high school GPA could apply test optional. Um, With that being said, that's not a minimum to be accepted. It's just a minimum to apply test optional. Uh, Ultimately, our test optional pathway is quite a bit more difficult and competitive to be accepted through. Only about 10 percent of our incoming freshman class ends up getting admitted through that pathway. Um, We don't have any minimum criteria to be accepted for admission as far as like a GPA or a test score goes. What really happens is we we base our admissions decisions off the applicant pool at hand in a given year. Um, So the competitiveness of the academic pool is going to dictate how admissions decisions are, are made and what that freshman class ends up shaping out to be. But those four primary components, assuming a student applies with a test score, are what would make up a completed application file. And then the only other thing that I would add to that is that that's the way that it worked for this year's current high school senior class. Um, I think that it's going to be a great guideline for next year's rising seniors. I always recommend for Auburn specifically, just if a student is interested in applying, just check back with us maybe the summer between their junior and senior year of high school. That way, everything is up to date and set in stone as possible in case anything were to change slightly.
0: Well, that's great advice. And thank you so much for sharing the four components, particularly the test optional nature of it. So students, you need a 3.6, not to automatically be admitted, but if you want to go test optional, you need that 3.6 GPA. And it's very interesting that only 10% of the students that applied test optional, in other words, without submitting an SAT or an ACT score, actually were accepted. So, Billy, thank you so much for giving that insight and that overview. We really appreciate it. So, how many applications do you review a year, and how do you determine how many students to accept, waitlist, and even deny when there are more deserving applicants that apply than your seats available? So, Billy, what's the secret sauce?
1: Sure. Well, I'll tell you this. So um, two years ago, our application numbers were up about 60 percent, and that put us at a, about twenty five thousand admissions applications. Uh, wow. Last year, we went all the way up to about forty six thousand. And this year, I think that we're, we're going to be pushing fifty thousand. So um, it differs from one year to the next, but it's definitely skyrocketed quite a bit the past few years. Um, I'll be honest. Ultimately, the decisions on how many we accept and how big that freshman class size—that's going to come from our vice president of enrollment management, uh, our associate director of admissions, the administration at Auburn, and the board of trustees. Just based off of campus resources, funding, all of that. There's definitely an element that goes into it of re- ex- you're going to accept more students than are going to come to Auburn because you do realize that a lot of those students that you admit. Um, won't end up enrolling. They may go to another school. Um, so they've got they've got some projections and some data based off past years and then moving forward that ultimately helps to decide how many students we admit in a given year. And that can change slightly from one year to the next based off of strategic enrollment goals that are set by the administration uh, and then also just off the application pool at hand.
0: What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability, affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one-stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. Well, we appreciate that, Billy. And as part of the overall application, if a student is in fact able to come and visit campus, what are the areas that they absolutely should visit? And what are some questions they should be asking to help them determine whether or not Auburn University is, in fact, the right fit for them?
1: Sure. Well, I'm a big believer in campus tours, and, and that's true whether you're looking at Auburn or any other school. Um, obviously, I went to Auburn. I'm, I'm a recruiter for Auburn, so I'm passionate about the school. But I do understand that. Auburn's going to be a great fit for a lot of people, and then other students may find a fit somewhere else. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So what I always say is take a campus tour of anywhere you may even be remotely interested in. Uh, At the very least, take a campus tour. I recommend if there are any majors that a student might be interested in or they have some set areas of interest, a lot of schools will will offer the ability, Auburn included, to set up meetings with different academic departments to learn about their school, uh, see their facilities, Our rec center, if you were to come to Auburn, it was the top rated rec center, I think it was around 2015 or 2016, but it's still one of the top rated rec centers in the country. So I would definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, And then lastly, I would also say maybe a housing tour as well. A lot of students like to check out the on-campus housing options, and we'll check that out uh, if students wanna be involved in that.
0: Well, that's terrific, thank you so much. And what is the average profile of your current freshman class? And Billy, if a student falls a little below that mid 50% range, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application?
1: Yeah, well, you mentioned that mid 50% range. And that's something that we really like to highlight in our office because uh, we truly don't have minimums. I think a lot of people think there's a minimum GPA or test score cutoff, and that really isn't the case. Ultimately, it is a little bit different for our in-state Alabama residents versus our out of state students. We are a land grant school and a state institution, so we do have a priority to the students coming from the state of Alabama first and foremost. Uh, really, regardless of if you're talking about in state or out of state, the middle 50th percentile for GPA is about a 3.8 to a 4.3 GPA. Uh, that is a weighted GPA. And then for our Alabama residents, We don't have a preference for ACT or SAT. We'll take either one of them and and whichever is higher on file. But for our Alabama residents, the middle 50 percent is about a 23 to a 30 on the ACT uh, or an 1120 to a 1350 on the SAT. And then for out-of-state students, it's about a 26 to a 31 on the ACT or a 1210 to a 1350 on the SAT and and like i said it's a weighted gpa and then those test scores would also be super scores as well so we do accept the super scores and look at those in the process now i will say 25 percent of the students who come into auburn are going to fall below that profile i would say one of the biggest things that they could do is just A, stay on top of their grades, because a lot of times if a student is deferred early on in the admissions process, uh, we may ask them to submit a mid-year transcript reflecting their fall semester grades. Another one would be to continue testing and try to get that ACT and that SAT a little bit higher. And then a third one is gonna fall in lines with the testing opportunities, but we see that a lot of students are very geographically based with whether they take the ACT or the SAT, And I would say if you're really heavily focusing on one over the other, give the other test a shot. Uh, Just because sometimes there's a preference for one test over the other. A lot of states will push one test over the other. And it just gives different testing opportunities to get those scores as high as possible.
0: Well, that's great advice. A lot of students, they may feel that they want to take the ACT, but you're right. It doesn't hurt to try the SAT or vice versa just to see if, uh, in fact, it's a higher score. So we appreciate that. And I love how you talked about you're in-state students, you're out-of-state students. So Billy, what percentage of your students are from out-of-state and does the application process differ for in-state or out-of-state students in terms of your overall process?
1: Well, so about 40% of our students are from outside the state of Alabama. Um, I would say some of our most commonly represented states are going to be Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas. California is a big one. Um, But ultimately, we've got all 50 states represented on campus and over 80 different foreign countries. So we've got students coming from all over the place. (laughs) Uh, But at the end of the day, while we do, we want out-of-state students. We love having our out-of-state students come into campus and um, really just creating that culture that we have here at Auburn. We do have a duty to the in-state students. So I would say that we prioritize uh, making sure that we are making Auburn accessible to our in-state students from the state of Alabama. That doesn't mean that if a student from the state of Alabama applies for admission, they're automatically accepted. Uh, But it does mean that it's gonna be quite a bit more competitive out of state than it would be in-state getting into the university.
0: Well, we understand that and we appreciate the insight. So what are the most common mistakes that prospective students make when applying to Auburn? And Billy, how can students avoid these mistakes and increase, again, their overall chances of being admitted?
1: Sure. Well, I would say a couple of things. So one of them, and this this doesn't have to be a mistake, but I would say not coming for a campus tour or potentially coming for a campus tour too late. And a big reason why is because there's information that's included in the campus tour about the admissions process that's, that's good to learn on the front end. Um, so that's going to be one of them. The other one would be not sending test scores. Especially in the past couple of years since the COVID pandemic, so many schools have gone test optional, and and a lot of schools do their test optional policy different. And at Auburn, we do have test optional policy. Students can be admitted that way, but it just is significantly more difficult to be accepted test optional. Um, So, what we see sometimes is that, especially in some areas outside the state of Alabama, it can be common for students to receive guidance that's somewhat geographically based to apply test optional, when in reality, the test scores that they have would be phenomenal to submit for both admissions and scholarships. And so it would be either not testing or not submitting those test scores. Uh, And then the third one that I would say is not taking both the ACT and the SAT. That's true for not only admissions, but also scholarship purposes. I just think it's It's great to get more testing opportunities, and then it's also great to figure out if there's a a big performance difference from one test over the other.
0: Well, those are great insights, and again, tremendous pieces of advice, Billy. We appreciate it. And I was also curious, does Auburn offer an honors program, and if so, how are students considered? In other words, do they have to apply separately?
1: They do. So essentially the way it works, and, and this, this could change going into next year because the applicant pool kind of depends how competitive the GPA and the test scores are. Historically speaking, though, um, students who apply for admission to Auburn and get accepted for admission to Auburn who have both a 3.85 or higher high school GPA, and again, that's a weighted GPA, and then either a 29 ACT super score or a 1330 SAT super score, What would happen is in that instance, they would receive admission to the university uh, and then they would receive a separate invitation from our Honors College, inviting them to apply to the program. And then they would submit that application. There would be an essay prompt in there. And ultimately our Honors College, it's it's just got some unique opportunities for students between smaller class sizes, some unique research opportunities, uh, maybe Honors College housing, different things along those lines.
0: Well, thank you so much, we appreciate that. And Billy, can you tell us about the university's approach to financial aid and scholarships? How do students apply and what resources are available to help them navigate through the process? Sure,
1: well, so I'll say this, as far as resources goes, we are always here as an admissions office, our desire is to help students and uh, we can answer a lot of questions about financial aid and scholarships. And when we can't, we can send them to our scholarship department, or our financial aid office to have financial aid advisors assist them. But at the end of the day, incoming students and first year students, about 60% of the time, they will get some type of scholarship. And essentially the the way that the process works is when students apply for admission, if they apply for admission by one of our early action deadlines, which for this year's senior class, the final early action deadline was December 1st. um, For those students, they are actually automatically applying for merit-based scholarships, and then also need-based scholarships through the admissions application itself, as long as we receive the FAFSA from uh, With that being said, once they're accepted for admission, we have a separate scholarship application for students to complete. We call it AWESOME. It's, it's spelled A-U-S-O-M. It stands for the Auburn University Scholarship Opportunity Manager. Uh, basically what it is though, it's a, it's a one-stop shop scholarship application that works with all of the information we have about a student to generate everything that they're eligible for, whether it's based off their major, based off different demographics, based off of where they're from. And as long as they complete that application as complete as possible uh, and they follow the prompts within that scholarship application portal, they're in good shape to make sure that nothing through Auburn ends up slipping through the cracks. Um, So for this year's senior class, the deadline for accepted students to submit that is February 1st. And then if students are offered multiple scholarships, multiple components of financial aid, they can always stack that on top of each other for as much possible aid and scholarship money as possible while they enter Auburn.
0: Well, we appreciate that. And prior to this conversation, you and I were talking and you made me aware that Auburn is, in fact, an academic review. In fact, it's strictly an academic review process Billy, can you elaborate what exactly does that mean for our listeners?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, at the end of the day, we are truly not just a GP and a test score. It is ultimately an academic review, but there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, A big reason behind it being an academic review has to do with application numbers and resources available. So when we're pushing close to 50,000 applications, we want to ensure that anything that we're going to ask a student to submit as part of their admissions application file we're gonna be able to do justice as an admissions team and review it thoroughly, but also equally amongst every single applicant that applies to Auburn. And so because of that, we come to the application review being more academic in nature, largely just based off of resources at hand. Uh, But we do a deep dive, especially into a student's transcript, that can really influence how admissions are decisions are made slightly different between territories, in state, out of state. So what we're looking at, especially on the transcript, would be we're looking at their overall GPA from grades nine through 11. But we really want to see how does a student get to that GPA? Um, so we're looking at their core classes versus their elective classes. We'll look at any AP i.b honors gifted advanced dual enrollment credits things like that that they're taking and a large part of that is based off of what does the high school offer and then how does the student take advantage of that in a reasonable amount and that's that's going to go into a next point is we're oftentimes comparing students based off of their high school at hand Um, so they are competing against other applicants whether in state or out of state based off of where they're from Uh, but also more specifically from their high school. Uh, We'll look at any trends in their grades. So a lot of these students were impacted by the COVID pandemic and some virtual learning, and and that, that affected a lot of transcripts. And it's definitely beneficial for a student to be trending upwards come their junior and senior year rather than maybe starting to perform poorly come their junior and senior year. So the the trends matter. Uh, Academic area of interest can matter as well. Uh, We have a new culinary science program here on our campus. And if you have a student who's interested in that program and they're taking culinary classes, we'll look at that. If they wanna go into engineering, we'll look at the math and the science classes. Um, So we look at a variety of factors, but it is a pretty in-depth review of that transcript along with the test score if they submit it. Uh, and then also along with the rest of the application pool.
0: Well, we appreciate that. And I love how you talked about looking at the student's transcript in terms of the trends from ninth grade and beyond, but also being very cognizant of their school's profile. In other words, what their individual high school offers and how much they challenge themselves or not. So again, great insight, Billy. We really appreciate it. I was also curious, once a student commits to a college, How important is it for them to withdraw from other colleges where they may have been accepted? And can you give us some insight into how difficult the process becomes for you in terms of determining how many students, again, to accept or not from your own wait list when you don't have a final number on how many accepted students are actually attending your school?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Well, so traditionally (laughs) speaking, we don't have a wait list Um, through the admissions process. the, the, The goal is to once everything gets done, students are either accepted for admission or they have not been accepted for admission. And a lot of those decisions, again, they get made with the VP of Enrollment Management and the administration as far as projections for You know what our application pool is looking like and and what they're anticipating usually what they're shooting for is not necessarily a specific number on the dot of students to enroll but it's kind of a target range and i think that that can average out a little bit from one year to the next just just depending on resources that are available on campus Um, so a lot of the decisions there are made up at the upper administration level but i will say as far as withdrawing from a given school as far as auburn goes specifically So I'm always hesitant to say it like this because I don't want to speak for other schools. I know that there's a difference between early action versus early decision. Um, At Auburn, we are early action, which means if a student applies for admission, it's non-binding. So they can apply early action, get accepted. They are not required to come to Auburn. They've gotten until May 1st of their senior year to to make that final decision. Uh, Schools that are early decision, a lot of times it will be binding where you, you go into an agreement saying if I apply early decision, and get admitted early decision, I'm going to be coming to that school. And I think in that instance, usually it is a good idea to go ahead and withdraw from other schools that you've been accepted for admission through. Um, at, at Auburn, if it's, if it's not binding, I say stay in the application process as long as you can up until the national deadline of May 1st for this simple reason. If you're staying in the process, you're meeting admissions application deadlines, scholarship application deadlines, potentially housing deadlines. Um, It just buys a student time to get their overall financial picture. Maybe they might change their mind a little bit throughout the process. It just ensures that if they do change their minds come late April before that May 1st deadline, they've still got their options on the table. So that's how I would approach it from Auburn. It's always a good idea for students to let us know when they have made that decision, Um, but it's okay to hold on for a little bit because that May 1st deadline is there for a reason.
0: Well, that's definitely a great way to approach it. And Billy, how does Auburn University support students once they are on campus and enrolled? In other words, what kind of resources and services are available to help students succeed academically and socially once they're on your campus?
1: Sure. Well, one of the things that I love about Auburn is, Auburn is Auburn is going to challenge you, but they're going to give you every resource that you need to be successful. It's just, it's really up to the student themselves to take advantage of it. Um, from a from a social standpoint, a couple of areas stand out. And, and for any of your listeners, I would recommend... They go just type in online AU Involve, and basically what it would do is it would pull up a database of all 500 plus organizations that we have. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can filter it based off of interest, and it'll give you a little info about what we have in those areas, uh, give you an overview of the organization, and even a point of contact a lot of times if if they want to reach out and learn a little bit more about it. So that's a good way for getting involved as far as organizations go A lot of our incoming freshmen will join something that's called a learning community and uh, that's basically a group of about 20 freshmen and that's grouped together based off of a common interest or a common major and what happens in a learning community is a student would come in their freshman year um, they would have a variety of the basic freshman core classes with the other students in their learning community they can form study groups and meet regularly outside of class and it can, it can help to get that interaction early on with students who maybe they're having more classes with beyond that freshman year. So we see a lot of students who will succeed in that, not only socially, but also academically. And then especially from the academic side, um, we have a program called Skill uh, through, through our campus. And basically what that is, that is a program for any students who maybe struggle with learning differences where they can get academic coaching and regular meetings outside of class on a weekly basis with their coach to help them with their tutoring throughout the semester. Um, For for any other students who may want to take advantage of resources, we have Study Partners, which is a student-on-student tutoring service. Uh, We have something called the Miller Writing Center, which is essentially professional writing help for different papers that need to be written. Uh, And then we have something called Supplemental Instruction as well, which is essentially if a student has been successful in a given class that tends to challenge a lot of other students on campus they can apply to be a supplemental instructor and if they're if they become one they will then go to class as the supplemental instructor for a semester with the rest of the students they'll be available for assistance outside of class Uh, they'll hold review sessions things like that so the resources are there not only on the academic side but also on the social side It's really just a matter of taking advantage of
0: them. Well, that's terrific. You mentioned AU involved with over 500 clubs, your learning communities, your study partners. Billy, that's terrific. And I always put in the show notes the Office of Undergraduate Admission. Of course, in this case, it'll be for Auburn University. If there are any links that you want to share with the students and their parents, Obviously, just send them to me. And of course, I'll make it available to everyone in the show notes. Billy, I can't thank you enough. This has been a tremendous conversation. Unfortunately, it brings us to our last question, which is, what are your top three pieces of advice that you will provide students and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process?
1: Yeah, well, we've kind of talked about a few of them here, so I may sort of repeat some of what I've said already. <laughs> um, I, I'll, I'll say that. I'm going to give you four if that's all right, just because I'm going to repeat <laughs> some of what okay. I've said. No problem, Billy. All uh, right, so, so I would say take both the ACT and the SAT, even if your region or your state is very ACT heavy, SAT heavy. Take them both. Um, take them both early and often. I'd say take campus tours of anywhere that you may be interested in. Um, You never know how much you may love a school until you step foot on that campus, so you may surprise yourself, and it's always a good idea to do that. Um, The other thing that I would say is is any schools that you're interested in, I know Auburn in particular, reach out to the admissions staff for assistance. Uh, High school counselors are a phenomenal resource, and they do a great job, but they deal with so many students, and they also deal with ever-evolving and changing admissions processes from one year to the next uh, for different schools. So it's really hard to keep up with. So I say sometimes it's just good to just go straight to the source uh, and work with both your high school counselor and then also your admissions advisor for your school. And then lastly, I'll say this because Auburn, we are in Southeastern Conference School. We love our football. We love our sports here. Uh, But I would say as, as passionate as I am about it, don't let your fandom, your family's legacy or alumni status, Uh, Don't let that get in the way of applying to a given school. Give it a fair shot. Give it a fair shot outside of a game day because you may surprise yourself there and you may find that the great fit for you uh, is not what you were expecting to be. So try to put those biases aside in the college selection process.
0: Well, Billy, those are great pieces of advice and tremendous insight. This has been a phenomenal conversation. I am so happy as I know that this is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. Thank you so much. I really hope to have you again. You were awesome, Billy.
1: Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed
0: it. Our pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.